Um, we continue in our Advent series and we continue in the lectionary. Um, our scripture passage for today is Matthew 11, 2 through 11. And our theme uh, for Advent for the third Sunday, as um, we know, is joy. Joy. Um, but I'm going to start off with reading the passage as soon as I get to it. There we go. And I'm going to make the text larger because my eyes are not as good as they used to be. It's hard. It's a hard life. Um, Matthew 11, 2 through 11, and I'm in the New International Version. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or, she w or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word, and thank you um, for the scriptures and the prophets who um, foretold or prophesied uh, the coming of the Messiah, and Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to us and um, being the fulfillment. Will you continue to um, fulfill our longings, our desires, be the fulfillment of what we need, what we truly need, be the answer to our prayers? And as we wait in anticipation of your advent, um, will you... Uh, in your Holy Spirit, um, shape us, transform our character, um, build us up in the waiting. Um, you are good, and your gospel is good news to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Waiting, waiting, waiting and longing, um, longing and desire, it's all uh, attached to one another, right? Like, Part of the hard, the hardness or the difficulty of waiting is that we have longings, right? We have desire. As human beings, we long for things to happen. We long uh, for God to come. We have prayers, Lord, will you come? Or even we have simple longings like, will you give me a job? <laughs> will you give me security? Will you... Put a roof over my head. Will you provide children for me? Will you uh, 
surround me with friends and loved ones. We have longings and desires, and when we wait, or have to wait, or when our hopes are delayed, right, things can get tricky in our hearts. We can get impatient, we can get frustrated, we can get, uh, feel despair. Um, when I think of times of waiting <laughs> in life, uh, I think about my 20s, right? And the long like period of singleness that I was in and longing to have companionship, longing to be together with something, longing to start a family, longing to have a home, longing to one day have children. And the 20s were really hard because for one reason or another, God really wanted to work on me, right? I dated some people in college and it didn't work out and basically I realized that I was selfish and you know, hard to live with, hard to talk to, hard to relate with, and God was just, you know, under construction. And that was just like, for a young, you know, for someone in their 20s, it's like five or six or seven years, this is so long, right? Just laying in your bed like, ah, and like taking cold showers and like, oh my gosh, when will this happen? When will the the redemption of David happened. I've been waiting for this all my life. When is my, my significant other, when is the one that is my destiny going to be here, that waiting? And finally, finally, going to church in Seattle, Seattle Community Church, I ran into this gal named Janice. And it's like, I was like, yes, yes. And uh, I remember, you know, I was trying to, like, hang out with her. I, I actually didn't know she had a boyfriend at this time. <laughs> but even if I did know, I'd be like, so what? You know, there's no ring on it. You know, it's all fair and love and war. Um, and um, so I was like, how can I get alone with her? How can I hang out with her? And I'm like, I, so I call her. I get a hold of her number. I'm new to this church. She's like leading the young adults group and doing all the activities and the fun stuff uh, for them. And I'm like, uh, hello. She's like, hello. Um, do you wanna? Do you wanna? Do you wanna hang out? And I was so nervous, just spitting that out. And she's like, oh, a bunch of us are going out to play tennis, and then we're gonna probably get some dinner. You wanna come with? And I was like. Oh, yeah, but I was inside, I was like so disappointed. I wanted to get her alone, right? I wanted something more to happen. I wanted to be on a date, but she's like, you know, a good girl with boundaries. Hey, come hang out. You know, with us. who's this guy? He's so aggressive. Um, I just met you. But waiting and patience, um, all of that contributes I think, to the joy and the happiness and the celebration of getting married on, on our wedding day or of, you know, finally saying our vows and celebrating our union in front of friends and families of, and church. And that, that feeds into the joy, that, that waiting and that longing, right? And also like the pain uh, that's connected to and the loneliness 
we've all been in those places, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, relationships or marriage is not the end all or be all, and it's not the answer to everything. Janice definitely knows that, right? But like, you know, we've been in those places of longing um, where we have a vacuum, where we have a hole, and we're longing for God to come. We're longing uh, for an answer. But why was I talking about waiting? Right? John the Baptist has been waiting for the coming of the Messiah, right? And if you actually go back to uh, Luke, in Luke chapter 2, we're, we're in Matthew for this Advent season, but, you know, traditionally during Christmas, you, you know, you read the infancy accounts and the birth story of Jesus. You're in Luke 2, Luke 1, Luke 2, and you run into, like, Simeon, right? Simeon meets Mary, and it says that his whole life in the temple serving God, but for his whole life he's been waiting for the restoration of Israel. And finally, finally he gets to taste a little bit of the fulfillment of everything he's waiting for. Everything a whole people has been waiting for in the scriptures has been pointing towards Jesus. The Messiah is coming. Messiah, 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 a whole people bent towards that. And here's Simeon waiting, and he gets a taste of that. And right after that, Luke, uh, you know, as a side note, Luke, if you notice in Luke, every time Luke brings up a male figure and tells a story, there's a parallel woman figure right after that and a similar parallel story, um, which is interesting in itself. But right after the Simeon account, he goes to Anna, right? Anna is this 80-something-year-old widow, and it says she's been, she's been fasting and serving in the temple every day and waiting once again for the Messiah, waiting for the redemption of Israel, this, this waiting and when you think about these two waiting for decades, it kind of puts, you know, our impatience, right, when you're driving and waiting for the red light to turn green, like, hurry up. Like, we're so, like, ah, 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 ah. And then you see the waiting that happens all through Scripture and people waiting, and you're like, man, the faithfulness and the, the long-suffering. And John is the same way. His whole life has been bent. His whole life has been shaped around preparing the way for Jesus. Right? Do you remember when Elizabeth and Mary are pregnant and they meet one another? Elizabeth has John in her womb and Mary has Jesus. And as soon as they embrace, what happens? John, the baby, leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And everything, right, how blessed are you, right? John is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And last week we talked about how John is this prophetic figure, this figure that's like Elijah, right, pointing to the way, preparing the way. He's proclaiming in the wilderness, make straight the paths, right? Make way for the Lord. And then also proclaiming earlier in Matthew, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and receive the gospel. 
And he even baptizes Jesus uh, when Jesus comes to see him. He does all of these things, but then ends up in prison. And so as we're in our passage, by the time we hit Matthew 11 here, Herod has put John the Baptist in prison, and so he's sending his disciples from prison. And I wonder what John the Baptist is feeling. Is he doubting? Right? He's been, you know, kind of preaching this hardcore, like, repent, flatten the ways, like, move everything out of the way. Christ is coming, and he's turning everything upside down, and he will baptize you with fire, right? I baptize you with water. Jesus will baptize you with fire. So there's this, like, prophetic, strong, hard language, right? You think of uh, the disciplinarian, right? When you think of, in in my family, my mom was the laid-back. She allowed things to happen. Right, and my dad was the boom, you know, the stern guy. And like, you know, anytime my mom was like, I'm gonna tell dad, and when he comes home, you're gonna be in big trouble. We were like, no, 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 no. We weren't really afraid of my mom. We were afraid of what she would tell my dad. And when he came home, we were afraid. And I think I thought when Janice and I got married and started to have children, that I would be the disciplinarian, the strict person, right? And Janice, you know, she revealed, or time has revealed that I'm the really laid back one, and she's like the strict one and the disciplinarian one. And, I, and uh, she's like, are you really the one who's going to be strict, right? Who's going to discipline these kids? No, you're the fun dad. You're the, you're the fun parent. You're the, you know, happy parent. You're the laid back parent. You're the like, you know, Janice lays down the law, and I come back into Isaiah's room like, just don't get caught. It's okay. Here's how you work the system. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not like that. But John is like that, that because he's in prison, he was called to prepare the way. Why do you think he's feeling? Now, for that, he's sitting in prison. And later, he gets executed, and then he hears stories of what Jesus is doing. What is Jesus doing? He's not even in Jerusalem. He's gone outside of Jerusalem, and he's doing a ministry of healing and loving and preaching the gospel and good stuff, happy stuff, joyful stuff, like the good, right? You get, you get to stop, tell the good news to people, and you're touching people, and they're being healed, And I'm sitting here in jail. Where's the fire? Where's the repentance? And quite frankly, Messiah or the Christ means the anointed one. It's a transliteration of the Greek meaning the anointed one, right? And Messiah in parallel is a transliteration of the Hebrew uh, for anointed one. And the kings in the Old Testament in the old days were declared, they were anointed when they came into power, onto the throne, right, into, into rule. They were the anointed ones. And so as the people of Israel, as John the Baptist is reading the prophecies, reading the scriptures, 
They are expecting a strong king, an anointed one, to come and flatten everything out and bring God's rule and the restoration of Israel, the redemption of Israel, and lay waste to all the enemies and put down the oppressors, the colonizers, like flatten them out. But Jesus is just hanging out with people and loving on them. And so there's no doubt in my mind, like, man, John must be doubting. And that's why he sends disciples to ask Jesus, are you really the one? Are you the one that my whole life has been oriented around? that everything I have poured out of my soul, I've been doing. Are you the one? Um, And Jesus replies, uh, he replies to the disciples, tell him, what, what do you see and what do you hear? What are my words and what are my actions? Right? You, Jesus replies, like, they should look at signs of my healing. The, the blind see, the lame walk, um, the good news is being brought to the people. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf Here the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And when we hear Jesus' response to John's inquiry, um, relayed to John's disciples, we're reminded of other prophecies, messianic prophecies in Scripture, especially in Isaiah, For instance, Isaiah 35, 5 through 6, Then will the eyes of the blind be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongues shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. In Isaiah 61, 1, actually Isaiah 61 is the same chapter This is a verse right before our founding verse in Isaiah 61. Um, And he quotes this in Luke, Jesus quotes this in Luke chapter 4 when his ministry begins. But the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy. Not only is he bringing salvation, but he's bringing good news, amen? Good news. Not just fire, not just a leveling out of things, but also good news and healing. Jesus has a special heart for the poor. 
You can't deny it in his ministry. Jesus has a special heart for those who need healing. Jesus has a special heart for those who are invisible or on the margins of, our, of the culture, right? And he has the same heart today. And he calls the church to be the same healing hands, to be the same ambassadors of love, to be the same proclaimers and witnesses of good news. And so much when we hear about what people think about Christians or the church, it's like, oh, they're bringing bad news. Why do I turn on the news and it's bad news of judgment, of criticism, of condemnation, right? Of whatever, power struggle. But Jesus came and br- came in a way that people didn't necessarily expect. They expected power, the power of an empire, of a king. But he said, look, look at the people. This is how you know. Look at the people you've forgotten. Look at the people society has ignored. Look at the weak and the poor. See yourself among those who need to be healed. I came just like a doctor isn't here for the healthy. I came for the sick. He came for all of us. And in that, implicit in that is acknowledgement or kind of a self-awareness that we are all sick and in need of Jesus's good touch. Are you with me, church? Good news. Good news. Good news. This chapter comes right after the famous, you know, Sermon on the Mount in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you know, you know, the first part is a, a lot of Jesus's teachings, like these are his ethical, moral teachings. And then right after that, I think like six through nine or whatever, he's healing people right? There's all these, his healing work. So word, right? And deed, look at my words and see my actions, right? And so that kind of encompasses um, the Sermon on the Mount, those two movements, you know, what he's teaching and kind of the healing that he's doing. And then his response to John is, go and tell him, like, Report what you hear and see. John, this is what I'm saying, and this is what I'm doing, and that's proof of who I am. And be encouraged. What you're doing is not in vain. In fact, Jesus says, John the Baptist is the greatest of all prophets and the greatest of all figures. But even the least of these now now that I've come in this point in history, right? Here's the prophets. Here's Jesus. And like, you know, the, the New Testament, the new covenant. And John is in that transition, preparing the way. He looks like, he looks like prophet, smells like prophet, right? And, but he's pointing the way to Jesus, um, But 
Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy. And Jesus is saying to people, come, come to me, come to me. And anyone, even a child in this time who receives me, who, who is empowered by me is greater than John the Baptist. What a gift. What a gift that is. Like, I don't wear camel's hair. I don't eat locusts and honey. I'm not living in the desert fasting. And Jesus is saying, man, I am greater than the greatest prophet because of the gift of Jesus, because of who Jesus is, because of why Jesus came. And all of us sit under the umbrella in the solar system of that grace, of that saving work, and the good news of Jesus Christ, amen? That makes us great, not because of what we can do or what we achieve or what we... But because of the gift and the good news of Jesus, that's good news, amen? I truly tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I am turning the world upside down. I am overturning the tables, right? The top is becoming bottom, and the bottom is becoming top. And the least is becoming greatest, and the greatest is becoming least. And we're swimming upstream like salmon spawning. We're going against the grain, against everything that you've learned in society, in the culture, in your education, that this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. Jesus came, and everything changed. See what I did there? That's our Advent theme. Everything will change. Jesus came, and everything changed changed and the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God is here now in our presence right here among us we're living in the kingdom of heaven and we're being invited to participate amen and that makes us even the least of us in this in this situation in this in this uh, I don't know in this in this kingdom in this cloud of Jesusness is great. <laughs> I couldn't find the word. <laughs> is great. Right? Is the great, even greater than Don, John the Baptist. This is good news. This is good news. And I think when two people get together, as Janice and I did, there's always like a honeymoon period. Like, for us, it was like the first week, and then the honeymoon period was over. Um, you can laugh. That was like self-deprecating humor. The honeymoon period was over. Like, you know, when you first start get married, it's like, yeah, you're the greatest, sweetie, honey, I love you, darling, yes, sweetie, honey, pot, bunny, bun, honey bun, whatever. And then after a while, Janice is like turning over, Waking up, turning over, looking at me, snoring, and like, is he the one? Is he the one that I met a year ago? Is he the one that was like the Prince Charming? 
It's so not what I thought. And oftentimes we're in those places in our faith journey, right? It isn't what I thought it would be like. This is harder than I thought it would be. Just as John sitting in prison, worrying or maybe doubting and sending his disciples out, we, we start to doubt in times in our life, you know, when things are unsteady or things are dark or things aren't being fulfilled. We feel that prayers aren't being answered and our life isn't right. And we start to go like, oh man, is this really from God? Is God really here with me? Is God looking down on me with favor? Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? And we doubt and we question, right? And sometimes in that doubting and that questioning, we grab onto other things, especially if you're a control freak like me. It's like, I will find my good news. I will find my answers. I want to drive this car. <laughs> Be still and look around you. What is, what are you hearing and seeing? Because God is always at work, amen? And he's working in your life today, right now. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you um, that you are strong and powerful, yet loving in that and merciful and gracious. And you touch us and you heal us. And you long for the world to be a just world. You long for all things to be renewed when people are turning against each other, when the powers hurt those who are weaker, uh, when people are suffering, are ignored, or on the sides in the times that we feel forgotten and unheard, or we feel that you are invisible or apart, away from us, far away. Remind us of your love and your power and that you're doing a good thing. Um, good news is coming and the kingdom of God is here. In your name, amen.